Welcome to the 10th episode of the Bounce Pass by the Sports Mecca. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo, and today I'm joined by my colleagues, Sam Hengeli and John Fitzgerald, a.k.a. The Fitz, to preview the upcoming Kansas Jayhawks football season. This is all going to be Kansas football related. Um, so, like I said, it's the three of us, so it's going to be kind of a rundown of really three main topics. You know, first to start off, what to know about the Jayhawks headed into 2019, and then your thoughts on, you know, gone on for the past three or four months, really since the offseason started back up in December, and then you'll know, roster breakdown, and then, you know, we'll go this year. So we'll start off uh, just providing information about kind of from the start. This is information that you guys um, should probably know about, but for the people who listen, you know, they can understand. So, you know, first year, first year, Head coach, Les Miles, as you guys know, uh, he replaces David Beatty. He signed a five-year contract. He's going to be paid $2.7 million annually. Um, and then he takes over a program, Kansas, that has not been good, to put it lightly. They were 3-9 and nine last year, 1-8 and eight in the conference. And throughout Beatty's four-year run, they won six games. You know, they haven't had a winning record since 2008. And in that span, they've won four total conference games. And just to kind of paint a picture of, you know, where Kansas is at, you know, as we start this preview, um, I did look up, I don't know if you guys are aware, but there is a, a ranking system that does kind of show the different rankings for efficiencies on like both sides of the football. And it's like S&P plus, it's like a, it's a national ranking that's in, that ESPN writers like, Bill Conley used, but um, just to kind of put in perspective, like out of a uh, 128 teams, you know, KU's been outside the top 100, so they've been outside the top 100 for the past four straight years, and just off of offensive efficiency, uh, defensive efficiency. Um, but you know, with the addition of Les Miles, they were able to Les Miles was able to add a couple guys. Les Conning and DJ Elliott, respectively, to the offense and defensive side of the football. So both those guys are going to be uh, first-year coordinators. So I guess with all that, I know it's a lot of information that I guys kind of thrown at you. Um, you know, before the season even starts, what's kind of your thoughts on, you know, the, the Les Miles hire, the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator hirings, um, just to start out? You know, I don't know a whole lot about DJ Elliott um, or Les Coning, to be honest with you. I think uh, it was a DJ Elliott. He came from Colorado. Yes. So yeah. before coming to Kansas, um, Elliott was the defensive coordinator at Kentucky from 2013 to 2016. And then for the past two years, he was the D.C. at Colorado. And his defenses have been pretty, you know, mid-range. I mean, nothing um, – you know, nothing like spectacular, but from what I've heard, I mean, he's a younger guy, so he's he's going to be a guy that has he's going to bring that energy, energy, and he's still learning a lot. As Les Coney, he's a guy that's experienced. Uh, he's been around the game for quite a while, and he's been coaching for a while, so that that'll be nice to have on the offensive side, and then hopefully he brings that consistency. Uh, I was definitely disappointed when uh, Chip Lindsay left for Troy. Right. Because that was a home run hire. I mean, just 
you know, the guy, his type of offense is exactly what we uh, need to run in, mm-hmm. in Kansas. But, you know, it didn't work out, which is fine. I mean, I don't blame him. You, you know, take a head coaching position. I mean, it, you know, the guy wants to be a head coach someday. So, well, now he is. So, um, you know, he's, he's definitely a rising star. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, solid coordinator hires, um, nothing too flashy, I think. Uh, with where the program was, it was probably kind of hard to pull in big time flashy names. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what we're going to be looking at is consistency, uh, less, um, uh, less errors on the field, better game management. I think if we can do those things, uh, and it'll allow the, defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator to, to do more of what they're there to do. Uh, with under Beatty, it just seemed like everything was just so out of sync. And there are all, all these, you know, errors and, you know, a guy like Doug Meacham, who's an offensive genius, you know, <laughs> KU, or maybe David Beatty just made him look uh, pretty bad. So mm-hmm. hopefully we won't have that. Hopefully these guys are going to be able to, to do what they need to do and focus on that without all the other holes. But I guess that's kind of my, my thoughts on, on those guys. And then, of course, Les Miles. Um, he's one of my favorite coaches in college football before he even uh, got fired at LSU. <laughs> so, for me, that hire was a, was a dream come true. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll ask this to, to, to Fitz or Sam obviously can answer this too. But, you know, before – the season ended and I think most of most Kansas fans believe that, you know, David Beatty was going to be fired in, eventually. Um, did you guys really think Les Miles was a strong candidate to, to be the head coach of Kansas or were you guys surprised that Miles actually took the job? Um, well, well, I, I think um, that I think at first it seemed like like right before like Sean Zanger got fired. I think Les Miles it was like a dream, like it was a lo- one of those long shots. But then once uh, Jeff Long got hired as the AD, he made that uh, that idea a lot more maybe maybe more realistic than we we thought as Kansas fans. They, I mean Les Miles. I mean he was one of my favorite coaches. I loved how uh, he. Uh, treats his players and like how gritty LSU he is as a coach and like his team really shows that grit mm-hmm. night in and night out. I felt like at the end it was LSU. I felt like it was LSU was just maybe like their standards were just a little too high. I mean, he was putting up eight win seasons, which for most college fan college football programs, especially for a school like KU, who's been a disaster these last 10 years would absolutely love that would love but do anything they have eight one seasons consistently every year right so that so i i look forward to him seeing what he can do i'm not really asking much from Les Miles. i'm just asking him to just at least get ku back to at least some respectability maybe you know maybe you know at least what maybe at least somewhat of what mark mangino was able to do during his right. time i'm not asking for no orange bowl or fiesta bowl just asking, maybe let's make a couple bowl games. Let's at least show 
just at least make K football at least watchable right. for like the next five years. Yeah. And there are some definitely positives about the hiring. And you can kind of see the direction in which Miles can try to build Kansas. Um, there's no question unless Miles can coach. You know, not only did he coach LSU to a national championship and two national title appearances, but he was able to take on, you know, a program that didn't have as much expectations before LSU, and that was Oklahoma State in 2001 to 2004. Um, you know, he took over a program that in 2000, um, they were three and nine. Sorry, uh, three and eight. That was when they played 11 games. Um, and then, you know, the first year went four and seven and, you know, he was only there for four years, but, um, from years two through four, they made a bowl game. So I think Oklahoma state's a different situation than Kansas. I think Oklahoma state, uh, isn't, isn't as low of the totem pole as KU is, but, um, I think that there's a lot of opportunities for him to grow the program. Um, but I kind of want, you know, Fitz's opinion on, do you think that because Les Miles is going to be 65 this year and he's not, you know, in his forties or fifties, um, and there are a lot of younger coaches in college football and there's a lot of offenses that are more built through the passing game. Are you kind of worried about Les Miles' ability to adapt and, you know, kind of uh, his ability to incorporate a modern offense? Um, Why do you go on? Sorry. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) um, No, uh, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think um, Les Miles has learned his lesson. Obviously that was a big issue at, at LSU, um, you know, he was just wanting to stick to what he was doing. And I think really what uh, what backs that up was when he came in, uh, when he went to Big 12 Media Days, he had mentioned he's going to run the type of offense that, that best suits his team. And that just shows me right there, like, he's he's flexible. He's not going to come in like David Beatty and say, I'm running the air raid offense. That's the type of offense I'm going to run, and I'm going to stick to it. Right. And, well, obviously, we didn't have the – the manpower to run that type of offense, but we kept doing it and our offense was just consistently horrible. Um, you know, so I, I think that right there just goes to show that he is definitely flexible. Um, he's had two years to sit back and watch football. Uh, so I think that could play to our benefit as well. Instead of coaching, he's had time to like study the game more and um, really just look at the, the new offense styles uh, and, you know, I'm not worried about his age either. You know, I, we had Smacker Miles on our podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. And just the stuff he's doing with his health, he's very health conscious. He doesn't look 65, for one. Um, you know, so, you know, I don't know. And just, just the sense after talking to her, um, and she even mentioned that, you know, it very if, you know, things go well, then we very well could have him for – a lot longer than what we expect. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was around for 10 years instead of just five. Right. Um, so, you know, I got, before we kind of transition into kind of the breakdown of what the roster looks like, um, kind of alluding to Sam's point about how, you know, expectations are different, you know, 
with less miles now as a coach at KAU compared to what he was at LSU. Fitz, you did mention how you said if his health holds up, there's not there, there are some chances that he goes beyond coaching five years at KU and goes eight or eight, nine, ten years. Um, just let's just focus on like the actual short term in this five years. What do you think would be a success in his tenure, just for five years? I think if he can make multiple bowl games, like two or two or three, like right. he doesn't need to make a bowl game this year, but like he's gonna, I think. A successful tenure for five years, short term for Les Miles would be maybe get like maybe like get an eight or nine win season in there, go to a bigger bowl game, maybe you know maybe have a chance, maybe give us hope and like maybe be a contender in the Big Twelve. Like you you don't have to like make it to the Big Twelve title game, but at least maybe finish like a respectable third or fourth would be an incredible accomplishment considering KU State the last ten years. I think that would be like I would consider that success at KU to me. Okay. Yeah, Fitz, you want to add that in? Yeah, um, you know I I agree with a couple bowl games. I think that's huge for us to get back to the to a bowl game and then to play some football past uh-huh. just the last game of the season. You know, just to just to build that excitement and it helps for recruits too because they like to play in those bowl games. Um, you know, and and I think. Uh, just seeing how really just because the program it, it, there's just been so many little hiccups you know with uh with, with managing the roster uh preparing players for game uh, for the game time and then uh when they get to the game managing the game you know those those three things have just been they've been rough lately so you know if he can really focus on those too making sure that the roster is managed well so we can stay consistent above 80 scholarship players. Uh, it's really difficult in the college game to stay at 85. But if you're, if you're in that 80 range, you're doing pretty good. So if we can get us up to that point, manage the game, develop players, you know, uh, I think uh, that in itself, obviously those are, and those can be measured, not as easy as, as wins and losses and bowl games, but those things can be measured. You will, mm-hmm. you'll definitely notice them. And, you know, it was just tough for KU fans to w- want to watch the games because of all the dumb penalties and and just game in and game out. Just players were not prepared. So that in itself, to have a team come out, even if they don't win, to mm-hmm. at least compete and look like they know how to yeah. play the game will be huge. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like last year that when they went into that direction, I think you know they played a lot of games like really close, even though they weren't able to go through. I mean, they had a couple of games. I mean, here's my question to you, Fitz and Steve. Do you think if Les Bowles was the head coach last season, do you think they would have made a bowl game last season? I'll start with that, Sam. Um, I think if you want to play that game of, like, plugging in coach, plugging in you know, Les Miles in that situation last year, um, I think if you consider, you know, Kansas, what David Beatty had to work with last year and kind of just that talent, um, I don't think Les Miles would have taken that team to six wins. I think would would they have been more prepared in their approach to games? Yes. And do you think you know, would they have been able to maybe finish a game or two? Yes. I think you know they went three and nine. I'd say if Les Miles was the coach, they'd probably win four games. Um, 
Because I, in my opinion, I don't think even with the roster that he has this year, I, I don't think it's going to be just an easy fix where they're going to go three and nine and then six and six this year. Because I, I still think it's going to take a year or two for them to make a bowl game. So no, I wouldn't. I, I would say no. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree. I think it really depends too, you know, because if it was Les Miles' first year and he had that roster, I don't think he would have made a bowl game. Um, you know, the, the Big 12, man, it is a tough, tough conference. And when you look at all the teams, I mean, you got 10 teams, uh, KU being the 10th, so you got nine other teams that are have history just beyond what KU has uh, that are just way more consistent. Even to get one win for Kansas is tough, you know. So if you want to go to a bowl game, you're thin, I mean, you got to get you, at least you know three. three or four. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's it's tough, you know. And and now if Les Miles had, had been at KU for uh, three or four years, or just like David Beatty had been there for three years and he was on his fourth year, you know, maybe I think so. But the, you know, that's a it's a t- it's a tough question. It's a good question, but it's tough to answer because. Uh-huh. There's so many other factors that go into. You can't just switch the two coaches, yeah. you know, and, and and see. But I, I even then, I just don't think so. KU was in a really tough spot, and as much Beatty, he did do some damage, but he also did a little bit of good as well. And he just wasn't given anything, you know, right. really. So yeah, David Beatty, you know, was it the right move to let him go? Yes, but I think you can probably say that he made more progress to the program than what Charlie Weiss and Turner Gill did. I think David Beatty was in a situation where I'll probably say he was in a lose-lose situation because the program that he he took over four years ago was just in you know, absolute disarray. I mean, you saw it was first year. They went 0-12. Um, yeah, that's the first game, too. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this – the state that he was in, it's it really tough to even make a little progress, but um, it just kind of shows you like how low K was teams in the Big 12 conference, but um, teams just from a Power Five perspective, and then if you add in you know the group of the group of fives also, but um, I would like to I would mention though that a good thing to also keep in mind when you know when Fitz talked about the Big 12. Uh, how it is tough to win three conference games, at least three conference games or four if you want to get to a bowl game. But it's not just the actual teams, but it's actually offenses that those teams exhibit. I mean, you're, you're dealing with Oklahoma, who has dealt with a lot of different changes at in, in the offensive side of the football, yet they keep chugging out Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, West Virginia with, with Will Greer, I mean – Texas now with Sam Ellinger. Um, heck, you can even go with Oklahoma State. I mean, I know they weren't; they took a step back in 2018 compared to 2017. But I mean, you look at those top teams. Heck, even Iowa State. I mean, those five, four or five teams in the Big 12 that KU is going to have to compete against every single year are really, really good offenses. And for a program like Kansas, who is kind of uh, disadvantage talent wise to compensate for that too. I think that's another thing that you have to add in uh, when KU wants to compete, you know, with, with teams within their own conference. But um, kind of moving on, you know, we've talked about the coaches, 
the, the changes of the guard at the coaching standpoint this year and then kind of the expectations possibly for Les Miles in the short term. Uh, we'll try to transition into the actual breakdown of the roster. Um, again, this is a question that both of you guys can answer. Uh, doesn't matter to me. Um, heading into this season, what positions are KU – sorry, what positions do you think KU is at a really big advantage where they can actually – not only make progress, but they actually be uh, in the Big 12. You know, you can be quarterback, running back, uh, and then what positions is that a disadvantage of? So kind of a both both ends of the spectrum. Well, I think I think the KU strength at position would definitely have to be the running back position. I mean, you talk about the talent that uh, Puka Williams Jr. brought last season and brought a little bit of, of hope and magic to that team with his uh, ability to run and, and uh, like, finesse. And uh, I also looked at a guy like Khalil Herbert, who really helped contribute well last year. And uh, he was uh, he was a, a, on the uh, pre- preseason uh, all-Big 12 third team in last season. I, and uh, he made a lot of – he made some strides. And then when he was a – I mean, when he was a sophomore, he had, like, a game where he ran for 291 yards against West Virginia, which is – KU single game, uh, third on KU single game rush list. So I think at that position, that KU could really do some, could really, uh, could really dominate, especially against those teams that are weaker on the uh, rush defense. And then, are there any other positions that you think KU is strong at, or you know, what other what positions do you think are significantly they're significantly weak at? Because um, I, I also. Agree- Sorry, I agree with you at running back, man. I mean, Puka Williams. Um, I mean, I think I think the easiest game that KU fans can remember is his performance last year at Oklahoma, where you know he ran for 252 yards on 15 attempts. Uh, he just absolutely torched the Sooner defense. I mean, Oklahoma's defense isn't good anyway, but Puka Williams was the star, and he, I mean, he he. he I mean, Kyler Murray was putting up touchdowns left and right. Well, Puka Williams was right there with him. Um, um, I'd also say it, Mike Lee, I think, could have a really monster year. It's a senior year at the safety position. I think I think he's got a lot of expectations, and I think he could be a guy who, who has a really good chance of getting drafted in the NFL, I think. And then having less miles there is going to really benefit him since – you know, he did coach uh, Tyro Matthew, the Honey Badger, and like he can like give him the same like coaching at coaching tips that he did with uh, Tyrone to help him reach the next level. To me, yeah, I, I would say uh, uh, definitely running back. Obviously, is, is something. I think we're gonna have probably the the best backfield in um, the Big Twelve, just because we have three guys that can start and. I mean, Puka could start at any team in the nation. Any team would take him. Um, you know, even Herbert, he would have I – mean, he could play almost anywhere. And, and Dom Williams, uh, you know, he he even has the potential to, uh, you know, to, to even be a starter at another school as well. So, I mean, we have three guys that could really just play anywhere as far as running back. But then also our cornerbacks, I mean, and safeties. I mean, we're loaded back there. You know, our defensive backs are just – uh, you know, you got Co Harris, who he, it's his sophomore year. So you know, he's going to step up. Hassan defense, uh, he was rated pretty high last year. 
and then uh, what a great name for a defensive for a defender. <laughs> exactly right. That's that's incredible. Um, it'd be funny if he was on the offense. Yeah, you know, so I always thought about that. Like that'd be really weird. You know, defense runs it in for a touchdown. You're thinking. <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> well, what happened here? You'd be like all confused. So well, you'd have to kind of think about that. But uh, yeah, and, and Bryce Lermaden, uh Mike Lee, I mean, those guys, there's, they bring so much experience. And um, I mean, outside of Coe Harris, obviously, he, he only has the uh, the one year, but um, he's just crazy talented. So, I mean, uh, you know, I just think our secondary is, is just going to be really tough for these big 12 teams. But uh, we, our biggest weakness, linebacker and defensive line, I don't think is necessarily a weakness. It's just a big question mark at this point. Uh huh. Um, yeah, because, so, I mean, Joe Denine did yeah. everything at the linebacker spot, and he's gone. And um, he led the nation in solo tackles the past two years, but, um, you know, they're going to have to replace him. I, isn't, I believe, his brother, Jay Denine, he's going to be there. Um, yeah, I don't I, I haven't heard him much about him, but he he's definitely there. He's he's still he, he's a big dude, you know. He's he's his as far as size, he's ready to play. But I, it's just a matter of did he get enough game reps and is uh, he actually ready to play that position? The linebacker positions, I mean, it's not going to be Jaden Ean, but um, I'd look for players like Azu Kamara to be Azu Kamara, um, Ju, uh, Drew Prox. Those are probably going to be the guys that are going to be huge probably going to be the one two guys in their linebacking core i mean kamara uh i believe he led the team in tackles for loss last year i think he had five so the talent wise they lose a lot from Deneen, but uh they're gonna to have to kind of rely on a lot of guys that are um inexperienced and hopefully they can fill in some some big holes but are right, both of you guys kind of set on the quarterback uh this year, are you guys confident that the quarterback is going to be Thomas McVitie, the junior college transfer, or do you think it'll be McVitie and Stanley, kind of a mixture? Well, it's, it's kind of tricky for me because I don't know much about McVitie. I heard he's a, like one of the uh, top pro-style quarterbacks in the in college football. Uh-huh. And uh, Sorry about that. Anyway, but uh, Thomas McVitie. I think he's going to be a he uh, could be a very helpful uh, player. And uh, uh, as I read, he came from uh, University of Pitt. Um, he was rated in high school. He was rated the number eight pro style quarterback by two four seven sports, and he threw eighteen ninety six yards and twenty two touchdowns in seven games before he got injured. And then, like when he was at JUCO. He, had a, he threw for 1,064 yards, 16 games, and six games at a Mesa Community College in 2018. So I think he has a lot of potential. He was rated the number two pro-style quarterback by J.C. Gridiron. So I, I think he there's a lot of high hopes for him. I, but uh, Carter Stanley, he's been a guy who's been there forever. He, he's, he's what I call the, uh, the people's choice at the quarterback position. I mean, when... Peyton Bender was the starter. I think the last two years, people were getting really annoyed with him at, for most of the time, and they wanted Stanley to get in there. Like, even before with, like, when Cozart was starting, people wanted Stanley. And I remember Carter Stanley, I think the defining moment was when he uh, 
when uh, KU beat Texas in that 2016 game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was reading an article a couple of days ago, and it was from The Athletic. And it was an article that really did a breakdown of the KU roster. Um, it was a state of the program piece. So it, it featured like the entire article about similar to what, I mean, similar to what we're doing now, kind of like, you know, the players to watch for uh, the positions. But I know that the offensive coordinator, Cohen, uh, was set on record that he wants all KU quarterbacks, regardless of the playing time, to operate under center and from the shotgun. And that is actually going to be a shift, you know, from the spread system that David Beatty used for four seasons. So it's a different concept they use. Um, the reason why I kind of bring up the quarterback is, you know, KU's, they, I mean, we've had so many quarterbacks for the past couple of years. They haven't had a, a solid number one. They have not had much stability. And last year, you know, not only were they last in scoring offense, even with Puka Williams, you know, under they just averaged under 24 a game, but they didn't even average 200 passing yards. They averaged like 192. And if you think about being in the Big 12, where the Big 12 is such a pass-heavy conference, and you know, I mean, you have you have Iowa State and Texas. You know, the, the those two teams probably dominate on the defensive end, but it's not a defensive-driven conference. It's a conference that relies a lot on the passing game and it doesn't have dominating defenses. So um, I think another thing, you know, that we mentioned about for, you know, what can Les Miles accomplish? I think a big thing that he can try to accomplish, at least in year one, is to try to establish a steady and more efficient passing game, um, regardless if it's McVitie or Carter Sandler. Uh, Fitz, what's your thoughts on you know, the quarterback situation? Yeah. Um... You know, I, I'm partial to uh, Carter Stanley. I think he he deserves to start. Um, you know, it's his senior year, and he's been around the program for so long. The players play better around him. Is he the, the most talented quarterback that we have on the roster? I mean, I think Thomas McBitty obviously is, but, man, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough choice. Um, you know, I, if I was coach, I'd probably go with Carter Stanley just because of the experience. And uh-huh. obviously, I'd wait to see how how fall camp unfolded. And if McVitty was just obviously better than him, um, then you have to play McVitie. But I just I don't imagine McVitie really being that much better. I mean, he probably has a better arm um, than Carter Stanley. I'm not sure how much that's going to really play a part because I know we're going to throw, but uh, it's going to be a lot of RPO. I don't see a lot of throwing downfield and opening, mm-hmm. you know, the field up. We're going to be running the ball a lot, a lot of RPO. Um, so I don't know that that's going to be that much of a factor. Your biggest thing is you want a guy in there that has experience, uh, that understands RPO, which Carter Stanley obviously does. Um, you want a guy that can throw the ball accurate, which I don't know compared between the two. I don't know how much of a difference there. I mean, that could be a factor, but. And, Car- and you want a guy that's going to has toughness. Carter Stanley, you've seen that dude get just freaking waylaid, and he gets back up every time. You know, I mean, he, he might, you know, be a little bit sore, but I think David Beatty can said there was one game where he could barely lift his arm. Uh, it was 
I can't remember what game it was, but then it was the game before the K-State game. Then he played in the K-State game and almost won. You know, and he played probably his best game of his career that game. So, mm. I don't know, man. I, and it's biased, you know, because I'm leaning towards Carter Stanley. But I, I do think that um, if it were my choice, obviously I'd say Carter Stanley. But I do think that Thomas McVitie is going to be uh, the starter come game one. Okay. Um, so just a couple more thoughts on just the roster in itself. Um, I asked Fitz this couple weeks ago and i think it's a pretty tall task but i asked him you know considering the ku is going to be having a lot of different running backs and considering that that's a position that's very deep um i asked him if puka williams could reach 2,000 total yards this year uh so if i remember correctly said no sam do you think puka can get 2,000 this year uh not this year i think he could get i think 1,500 to uh, 1,700 It's like the realistic range for me, I think, this year. Uh, the fact that he's also suspended for week one um, will uh, we'll, uh, we'll basically take a hit on that that idea. But I think he's still going to put up a lot, some big numbers, especially when uh, the competition gets tougher. I mean, don't you think Puka Williams will be a great option for them in the uh, national championship against Clemson? Um, but no, I, I think I will say the Puka Williams is, I mean, what, what, what player do you think can compare that that's played over, that's played at K for the last like 10 years in terms of his ability to just move around the field and not just be a, not just be a, an elite running back, but an electric receiver. Do you guys, any players come to mind to you that can be so dynamic? That's one one that, that pops, just popped up by my, I'd have to say Jake Sharp. When he was playing at KU, he was a finesse guy. He could catch balls in the backfield, was a huge part of that Orange Bowl run and the uh, Insight Bowl uh, championship that KU got in the 09. I uh, think I think he's a guy that that's sim- that's probably the most similar to Puka. I think Puka is just a step ahead of what Jake Sharp was at KU. I have to say Tony Pearson, if you guys remember him. Um, yeah. Tony Weiss is here. He, he's very shifty. I mean, the guy was—he was our best player, um, you know, on the field on offense. He's very quick. Could stop, juke guys, and I could—he just could move. Uh, it was kind of abnormal the way he moved sometimes. So, uh, and he could—he could catch. I mean, he was—they uh, put him in the slot occasionally, and they're really their goal on offense under Weiss was to get the ball in his hands. You know, so he. He had some injuries, and, and obviously he, it was a rough, uh, a tough roster to be a part of. You know, when Weiss came in, he completely dismantled the roster and then brought in a bunch of Juco guys that never ended up playing. So he didn't have a lot of supporting cast. Um, but uh, for the most part, I mean, um, yeah, Tony Pearson, that's, that's the first person I think of uh, when, I, when I see Puka Williams. I was going to throw out a name like James Sim. But James Sims, I don't think, was used in that same capacity as Pearson was. And uh, I, I like the Pearson comparison very much because, um, I mean, Sims was very, very good runner. Um, but they, they, he's not gonna, he was not used as exclusively as what Puka, as what Puka Williams was used last year. And um, I, I, another question I do, guys. I will ask you guys is, um, are you worried that 
Cougar Williams is going to be overworked by Les Miles. And the reason why I bring that up is because you know, KU does lose a good amount of depth at receiver. You know, they lost Steven Sims last year, uh, Jeremiah Booker, and Kerr Johnson. So with those guys gone, you know, they represented nearly 1,200 yards. Um, I kind of want to get your thoughts on, do you, do you think Les Miles is going to just really – I mean, I know he does have – one game suspension, so he's not going to play 12 games, but he'll play 11. Do you guys feel like Les is going to try to use him in more of a pass catching role? And if and if uh, if he's going to get overworked? Um, I, you know, we have so much depth at running back. Um, two of, like two of the guys that could start for us. Um, you know, and Dom Williams and, and Khalil Herbert. So as long as everybody stays healthy. I don't see that being an issue. I think he's gonna he's gonna give those carries out, but I do think that uh, Puka, you know, we may see some two back sets, um, and and uh, Puka, I could see him in the slot as well, just because of who he lost at receiver. And Puka, when you get him in the open field, I mean, the guy is just dangerous. He's dangerous anyway. If you get a guy like that in the open field, man, it's uh, he's just tough to tackle. <laughs> so I do think that's going to be an option and. And, you know, I see Puka being a decoy as well. He's going to be in there, and, uh, you know, he may be put in as a slot receiver just to be a decoy to get some the defense, you know, to, to keep him honest. So he's going to be in there a lot, but as far as running the ball, because um, that's what's going to wear running back down the most is running the ball. Uh, because, I mean, they're taking hits, just insane amount of hits. Um but, I, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be overworked at that point. And, and I think our offense is going to be slower than it has been. So we're not going to try to – I don't think Les is going to go out there and try to run, you know, 100 play or, you know, a million plays in one game like David Beatty always tried to do. I think he's, he's just going to try to manage the game. So I think there's just going to be less opportunities as well throughout the game because it's just going to be a little bit slower. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't – I'm not sure that that would be a concern unless there's injuries. Then obviously that's a whole other whole other bag. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, with the depth at the running back position, I mean, I mean, you could you can afford to uh, have Puka run maybe get like only 15 carries a game. Now you could use him in the wide receiver game, but like I don't know how many times uh, KU is going to pass the ball this year. Uh, that's a question mark to me. Uh, so I, but also I think. Uh, I wonder if uh, if Puka Williams will be used in the uh, kickoff, the punt return and kickoff return game as well. I would I, I kind of expect that we'll see Puka Williams uh, receive the ball on a kickoff and try to return some. I think. Yeah, he's not. I mean, this is probably a, it's it's not a it's not. I'm not comparing him like from a talent perspective. I mean, Puka Williams is really good, but I wouldn't be surprised if Wes uses. Puka Williams kind of like as Andy Reid uses Tyreek Hill, you know, kind of move him around the field, you know, just like Sam alluded to, returning kickoffs and then using him as a decoy, like Fitz said, in the running game and in the passing game. Um, I um, I think in terms of mixing him around on the field, I think he has that opportunity to be very versatile, um, just like, like just like Tyreek Hill was kind of versatile in his first couple years. Uh, in Kansas City again, I'm not comparing the players. I'm just comparing them like how they how they would be used schematically. But you know, kind of moving on to really the last big chunk 
of this podcast is the schedule overview and predictions on you know what KU will finish, how many wins they finish with in 2019. Um, before we kind of break down a little bit more of the games, I mean, we're not going to break down every single game, but we'll break down a good amount. Uh, I said early on in the podcast that, you know, Sam asked me the question about, you know, if Les Miles was the coach last year instead of David Beatty, how would they have made a bowl game? I said they probably would have won four games. I think four wins is what their ceiling is this year. Do you think four wins is a realistic ceiling? Or do you think they could actually break the four-win barrier and maybe get to five or six? Uh, or I guess even lower, so two or three. Um, hopefully they don't go. Hopefully they don't regress, but that is an option. Uh, so again, the floor is for both of you. Um, I think I think five is a very big possibility. I think if they were to get, if they were, if they're gonna break the four win barrier, I think they have to go undefeated and non. They have to win their first three non-conference games, which is against Indiana State, Coastal Carolina, and then. Boston College will be the uh, the toughest out of the three since Boston College is a decent team and and it's at Boston College, so that will be a challenge. I do think KU can win will win at least two conference games, and okay, and I I think they I think at home against Kansas State I think they they get over that hump and end that losing streak against K State. I think I'm gonna say. Either Texas Tech or uh, Baylor at home would be. I think. I think they win one of one or the other, in my opinion. Yeah, and um, you know, I've been saying all over Twitter that you know KU is going to make a bowl game this year, and, and blah blah blah. Um, you know, a lot of that's just kind of trying to speak it into existence. Ah, um, so it for quote. If, if, if I'm being honest, um, no, I do not think that KU is going to make a bowl game, and and um, the biggest improvements we're going to see is not going to be in wins this year. It's going to be game management, you know, just how the game is managed and, and how um, close games are and how we stay in games longer. But, you know, I, I don't see much more than three or four wins being the max, but I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up with just two wins, you know, just cause it's, it, you know, Les Miles, he came in a tough situation. He came in, had to uh, finish a an early signing roster within a couple weeks, right. um, so he got a bunch of guys together, and, and he he did a fantastic job with that. And then he had to you know go back at it and finish off the uh, the signing class, and he only had I think fifteen guys to work with, so uh-huh. he didn't really have a whole lot. And our roster was already in a tough spot. Uh-huh. Lost guys like Joe Deneen, Keith Lonner, um Stephen Sims, uh, Jeremiah Booker. Um, you know, so we we lost some key guys. Uh, our, Daniel, you know, Daniel Wise, yeah, Daniel Wise. Some people forgot him, but uh, Daniel Wise, JJ Holmes, um, you know, some some team leaders. You know, we lost a lot of those guys, and and then you get a new coach like Les Miles and a whole new staff. The staff hasn't worked together before. It's not like Les Miles uh, was coaching before and he brought a staff with him. These are all guys that hadn't been playing together or hadn't been coaching together, so they have to figure each other out. So there's going to be, you know, some some learning, um, some learning going on there, and you know, and, and it's a whole different style of, of offense, uh, defense. They're changing up the defense as well. So, you know, it, it's it's all going to be a matter of of the players, you know, and, and 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 how well, how quick they learn, and really just how quick they adapt to everything that's going on around them. 
you know, but it's, I mean, it's, it's stacked up against less miles this first year. And so I don't think there should be really any expectations. I think other than the fact that the players go out and they just, the team just looks more organized and more prepared for the games. And you'll be able to notice that right away. But yeah, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm expecting two to three wins. That's, right. that's probably about it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree, especially in terms of the you know, being more prepared and be more developed and just just be just be ready to play. And th- we didn't see that much of that with David Beatty. But I think for people who are very optimistic about Kansas, you know, the ones that really think they can go, you know, six wins or even five, I think they you got to kind of look at the situation that Scott Frost inherited at Nebraska. Um, Nebraska again is in a better state than KU and they were in a better state than KU even before Scott Frost got there. But with Scott Frost, they went 0 and 6 in their to start and they, I mean, they finished four and eight, but that was in Scott Frost's first season after he went undefeated the year before at UCF. So I think hopefully Kansas fans can kind of understand that. Year one with a new head coach and especially a new staff is really hard to get every. It's really hard to get everything working in the right direction. So, um, I think the four win mark is 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 accurate. And like I said, I I don't think two or three wins is not a bad prediction because I think it's possible considering all the different players that they bring in and the different personnel. So, um. Two or three wins definitely makes sense. Just the last part of this podcast, we'll just kind of feature the teams that are on KU's schedule. Sam mentioned Indiana State and Coastal Carolina. Those are probably the two games where, you know, if you want to focus on, if you want to talk about wins and losses, I do think you got to talk about, in some capacity, you for a program like KU, you got to have at least wins against teams that, you know for certain that you're better than. And even if KU goes 2-10 and 10 or 3-9, and nine, I think if they can get wins against Indiana State and Coastal Carolina, at least those two wins, I think it shows you that they're kind of in the right step because, I mean, man, when David Beatty was in his first year, they're 0-12, and they lost to South Dakota State. They lost to an FCS school. They were struggling against teams in the lower ranks. Uh, it's it, the, they would be like finishing the bottom of the MAC conference. In yeah, 2017. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, you know, wins are important. Winning four or five games would be great, but I think for a program like KU, they got to at least show progress. And I think Indiana State and Coastal Carolina are wins that they have to get. I, I mean, I don't care. They have to win those games if they want to if they want to take the next step. But after that, man, I mean, at BC, that's a definite L. I mean, Boston College, yes, they're not at the top of the ACC that's dominated by Clemson and, you know, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Miami, but BC is still a good team. A.J. Dillon's back. That is not going to be a win, in my opinion. Uh, But you look at their schedule in conference play. I'll go down the line. West Virginia to open up conference play at TCU in Oklahoma. Those are their first three games before they hit a bye. And then at Texas, Texas Tech, and K-State. And then their final three games are at Oklahoma State, at Iowa State, and Baylor, which is Senior Day. 
Um, just from looking at this schedule, you know, I think right off the bat, unless just something incredible happens. I know every given Saturday, anything can happen, I guess. But, you know, the Oklahoma and Texas are, def are definitely L's. But I think if you want to look at the games that Kansas has a, would have a chance to win, you know, and, I, and KU, they beat TCU last year, and they were competitive. I mean, they were competitive against West Virginia, Oklahoma, uh, K-State. Those were all games where they were within a couple scores. So, KU weren't, wasn't blown out against those teams. They were competitive. So, um, I think in terms of the teams that KU has a chance to maybe win in conference play, if they want to get one to maybe two conference wins, I think they would come against K-State. I don't think K-State is going to be good. I think K-State and KU are going to both compete in the bottom half of the conferences here. I think both are going to be... They do have a transit coaching transition yeah, as well. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, yeah, they went 5-7 and seven last year, but I wouldn't. I, I think it's going to be very similar this year, too. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be easy for them. Um, even if Kleiman was successful in North Dakota State, you know, going from a program in North Dakota State to K-State is a big difference, and expectations are definitely um, different there. K-State, I think, is a game, especially at home, and Sam mentioned it. You know, they've been close the last couple of years. I know Sam, Sam went to that game last year. It uh, wasn't a fun game. It was low scoring, a lot of turnovers. but And it was 10 degrees out, too. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, but I think K-State is a game that KU can probably look at their schedule and say, we have a great chance of winning. And I would say Baylor. I'd say Baylor is probably the only other one. I Oklahoma State, West Virginia. I know West Virginia, they lost Daniel Holgerson. I still think West Virginia is significantly better than them. Uh, Iowa State. You got Texas Tech also has a coach. They're starting with the new first-year coach as right. well. Um, so, yeah, I think K-State, Texas Tech, and Baylor are probably the three games that Q would have a chance to win. I wouldn't be surprised if they win two of those games. So, um, Sam, you kind of already mentioned about – you think, I mean, you said they, they have a chance to win five games, but you did mention that really the same teams that I mentioned, those those three teams KU has a chance to win. Uh, Fitz – you said that you said that KU wins two or three games this year. Um, if they win two games, they probably win two of the games in the non-conference. So that means I guess they would be oh they'd be for in conference play. But would you agree that you know K State, Iowa State, Baylor are kind of the three teams that KU would have a sorry not Iowa State my bad Texas Tech, Texas Tech, Baylor, and K State are really the three teams that KU would have a great chance of. Yeah, um, I said yeah K State, Texas Tech. I would switch out West Virginia and Baylor. I think Baylor is is uh, they're on the come up. You know, I, I think they're a very talented team. They got a lot of speed. Matt Rule is the heck of a coach. Um, I think this is going to be Baylor's kind of their year to kind of get back to a respectability. Do a bowl game? Um, yeah, oh, absolutely. It, uh, I think they'll definitely make a bowl game. Um, but, yeah, I think our, our best chances are going to be K-State, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. Uh, and if we get one of those, you know, things are going to have to go right for us and wrong for the other team um, just because of where we're at. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to be negative, just trying to be realistic, just, just based on, on what we're, you know, the, uh, the hand we have, what we've been dealt. But I think 
you know, we could potentially get one of those. I don't think we win against Boston College. So if we get three wins, um, it'd be against one of those one of those three teams. Not sure which one, but it's going to be a night where we we're playing really good, and, and we're lucky that they're not playing good. So that is a Friday night. So who knows? <laughs> um. Okay. So with that, guys, you know, we talked about the schedule. We talked about the positions that are there, are going to be the strengths of KU, and then positions that are going to be at the weak their weaknesses. Um, anything that I didn't really touch on that you guys would like to bring up before we kind of close it? I do not. I. I'm looking forward to watching this team and seeing the uh, progress that KU football can possibly make. I hope to, I, I, I'll do, I'm hoping I can make it to a couple games, especially the uh, home opener against Indiana State, and maybe you know, I'll try to get there for uh, KUK State again this year and hopefully storm the field again like I did when I was at the KUTCU game last year. Nice. Yeah, I have, I have season tickets, so I'll be at uh, I'll be at all the games. We have I think ten sets of season tickets. So there's quite a bit of us that go. Um, we've had them for I think this is our sixth year. But uh, yeah, I mean I think the biggest thing at this point um, is just that, that people support uh, the program and and they uh, you know follow Jeff Long's lead and because Jeff Long's trying to do a bunch of new things. Um, to make games more exciting, to just make the atmosphere better uh, so we can get people at the games because it's just tough to really uh, to get the football program going with just wins. I mean, you know, fans have to show support as well. Uh-huh. Of course, if, if the team's winning, fans will show up as well. But, uh-huh. you know, I think the support is because uh, it, it gives the players more energy when, when the, uh, the stands are filled up. The players are more excited and they're, they're going to play better because – their fans are there to watch them. So yeah, um, that, that'll be an interesting development to look for. Yeah. And I do think an underrated aspect of Jeff Long bringing in Les Miles is Les Miles is a name and Les Miles that people will, will watch. He's an interesting man. I mean, he eats grass. Uh, Les Miles is an interesting guy. And I think another thing you got to look at is he has a personality that, people the right way. I think people can understand where he's coming from. And I mean, Weiss doesn't listen to this, listen to this podcast, but you know, Charlie Weiss, you know, if you want to talk about, okay, you trying to get the, the name, um, you know, Charlie Weiss was a name, but he didn't fit the, he didn't fit KU. He wasn't, um, a guy who people could, could have a conversation with. He wasn't a guy that you could actually, see development and I think Les Miles is a, is a guy where he's genuine and he's a player that sorry he's a coach that players want to play for I don't think he, he even got that with Turner Gill I don't think he got that with David Beatty well, a little bit with David Beatty and he sure heck did not get that with Curly Weiss so um, I do think yeah Fitz's point about just being involved and having more of a commitment from the fans is a strong stepping stone for a program like KU and I think that even if they win two or three games, if they just get involvement from the program, more so than what they've done the past five or six. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, for those who aren't, I tweet these. I tweet the podcasts out every time. So 
you know, Willis off our Twitter handles, I guess. You know, mine uh, is at Flax on Flax. Very weird name, I know. But uh, Sam Fitz, if you want to, if you want to provide your Twitter names for the people, uh, it's at PG Sam and Gelly three. Mine is I actually just changed it right uh, recently just to make it easier. Uh, it's the Fitz KU's. Uh, just pretty simple, the Fitz KU. Yeah, wasn't it previously just? Uh, it was uh, Fitz Daddy eighty five. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it was it was it was just weird, you know. Fitz Daddy was a nickname that I that I had in high school, and it was just kind of funny. And I just when I created the Twitter, I just thought, hey, that'd be kind of cool. And obviously, it just makes more sense to have the Fitz KU. It just because it's that's what I'm here for, KU. Exactly, man. All right. Well, um, I'm really happy both of you guys were able to come on and. You know, this is our third episode. Uh, you know, we've actually done for the Sports American Journal. We've done ten episodes, and uh, well, this we've done nine, but this will be our tenth. But you know, the three of us have actually been a part of three, so it's actually good. You know, we've we've kind of been able to get some consistent people on, and hopefully, you know, KU basketball is around the, is a couple months away, so this will be a nice transition. You know, talking about KU football and talking about KU basketball in a couple months, so that'll be good. Um, but you know, if that's the case, guys, um, again, I'm really happy you guys were able to, you know, make this happen. So if that's the case, um, I guess I can just send you guys on your way. Absolutely. And thanks for having me on again. I, I enjoy uh, podcasting with you guys. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, thanks guys. Um, have a good night. All right. You too. Thanks. I guess that's just emotion. Oh, I guess that's just emotion